This is the Alone With Our Principles podcast, episode 14. We're all pretty bizarre. Some of us are just better at hiding it. I'm Chris. And I'm Eric, and we're both elementary school principals in the Spirit Unified School District in Southern California. On this episode, we talk about hiring practices and interviewing with Assistant Superintendent Robert McCollum and Asperia Junior High Principal Faisal Bell. Alone with our principals is unofficially sponsored by Tetherball. All the fun and excitement of volleyball with the added risk of strangulation. Soon to be an Olympic event, no ropies, no catchies. Don't mess with the bully, young man. You'll get the horns. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. I'm the principal, man. All right. Well, welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. How are you today? Pretty good. Thank you for having Pretty me. Pretty good. We are recording just a few short days before Christmas. That's right. Getting ready for the big day. You guys all set? Oh, yeah. Ready to go? All set. Outstanding. So, um, yeah, you know, we, we decided to make the topic of this episode today. We wanted to just talk about hiring, interviewing, that whole process as it relates to the school district. And so uh, we appreciate you being on and being part of the conversation. I'd like to start maybe just letting our audience know a little bit about each of you. I don't know if one of you wants to go first. Maybe tell us about your uh, background, your experience, and how you ended up in the role that you're in today. Okay. Uh, so my name is Faisal Bell. I currently am the principal at Hesperia Junior High. I grew up in Fontana, California. A kid from Fontana was planning on... Going to college, that was never a question, at least in my family it wasn't, and went to college, pre-med, uh, stereotypical pre-med kid, uh, biochemistry major, thought I was going to be a doctor, and uh, got to know some of my professors, and saw what they were doing and the impact they were having on students, and uh, was an EMT at the time, I, being a pre-med student, uh, worked with EMS for about five years, put myself through school with it, and uh, really enjoyed the adrenaline rush, really enjoyed that. Uh, but when I realized that medicine wasn't for me, um, my wife was getting her master's degree, uh, my fiance at the time was getting her master's degree in education, so I thought, why not, give it a shot. And uh, taught biology for a while, taught with Mr. McCollum at Hesperia Junior High, eighth grade science, fell in love with teaching, fell in love with uh, having fun with kids, making education fun for them, making biology accessible to them, and uh, giving them options for the future. And here I am now as a principal at Hesperia Junior High. I think I still do kind of the same thing, just a different role, right? Um, so that's how I got here, oh, wow. in a nutshell. I did not know that. I didn't know you went through med school and everything. That's impressive. Me either. Yeah. I tried. I became a certified EMT. I never worked as an EMT, but it was the funnest I job. Started out. Yeah, so it was uh, the funnest job I think I've had, and the adrenaline rush. Except for when I was working with Mr. McCollum as a vice president. Of course. As a teacher. Well, yeah, right. That, Those that was, jobs yeah, goes without saying. Right. Those sure, jobs sure. were too obvious. Funnest. Yeah. Yeah. One of the downsides to doing a, a format like a podcast is you cannot see Mr. McCollum's body language when Mr. <laughs> Bell talks. So. I don't feel threatened <laughs> at all. <laughs> Mr. McCollum, how about you? My name is Robert McCollum, and I'm the assistant superintendent at Hesperia uh, Unified. Uh, this is my, I can't believe it, this is my 32nd year doing this <laughs> job. And thank you, Mr. Bell. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably one of those rare people uh, that actually grew up in this district. I went to Juniper Elementary. I went to Sperry Junior High. We didn't have a high school back then, so they shipped us to uh, Victorville. And so, uh, you know, I never, ever intended to be in education. 
I actually have uh, a public relations advertising degree and I worked for companies, I did campaigns, I did grand openings, I did all that. But one thing I found out that very quickly, when economic uh, times go down, first thing they cut is public relations and advertising. And so I saw an ad in the paper, hey, come sub for our district. You know, make I honestly, I, when I first started subbing, it was like 35 bucks a day, some ridiculous <laughs> sum. And uh, so I, you know, I'll do this, you know, just see, you know, what, what, what other uh, opportunities come up. And my first job was a long-term math class. And uh, it was, it, again, in those days, the rules were a lot different. And uh, I ended up staying, you know, right now we can only stay like 30 days if you're a sub. Mm -hmm. I stayed the entire semester because they worked, they worked it out. And, uh, it, but I, I gotta be honest with you, the, the first couple weeks, uh, I, I fell in love with it. I, I really just fell in love with it. It was one of those moments. And so uh, I went back and I got my credential, uh, credential and, and then started off this road. But the ironic part of where I'm at right now is, you know, especially my job, I'm doing PR and advertising constantly. And so it, it, it's, it's weird how that went full circle. Um, my uh, kids went to this district. Uh, I met my wife, and I have to be careful how I describe this because I met my wife at the junior high, but I she was a teacher. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure. Important clarification, yes. Yeah, because otherwise, it sounds really super creepy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, uh, so uh, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to a lot of different things. I've seen a lot of different uh, swings in education. I, I do want to give a compliment to Mr. Bell, and you know, since we're recording, can't take it back. But he was a dynamic science teacher, and let me qualify this. Um, he impressed my daughter so much that she went and got a chemistry degree as well. And she'll give him full credit because he, he was that type of teacher. I mean, the things that we're doing now were, were the things that he used to do. He really used to engage them and you know, really made it fun for him and everything. Uh, now, with Mr. Mogger, my daughter has trust issues. With oh, you, here we but, go. Here uh, we go. I think she's over that. Uh, the, gloomy, the gloomy incident of 2003 <laughs> or whenever that was. So, And this yeah. is why I will never read for Clooney yet. <laughs> oh, it's just, you know, she brings, she's, honestly, she oh. still brings it up. She goes, remember when Mr. Mogger, you know, I go, it wasn't my fault. I read what was on the card. That's all the story anybody needs to know. <laughs> she would have probably majored in English, but. <laughs> That's right, except for me. So, well, it seems to have worked out then, so I get partial credit. Yes, sir. For discouraging her away from a mundane actually, profession like English. Actually, but... she does have an English degree. Oh, well, there you go. She's got a chemistry uh, degree in English. I don't know so if it's because of you or in spite of I don't know if that works in my favor <laughs> against me, so yeah. we'll just go. Well, with she it. still has a love of reading despite what you did. Despite just even though it wasn't my fault. <laughs> well, look, I'm excited to have this conversation today, and I'd be remiss if I did not mention we also have with us our fact checker and uh, technical advisor, Miss Carrie. Good morning, Carrie. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today. Wake up and smell the coffee, Mrs. Bueller. All right. So with that uh, out of the way, we're going to jump into what we like to call the quiz. And so we've got some questions we'd like to ask to help our uh, audience get to know you gentlemen better. Um, and so we've got a series of three questions and we'll just kind of take turns asking. I'll start with the first one. And uh, Mr. Bell, I'll start with you. Uh, can you tell us maybe a funny or memorable story from when you were a student in school? I thought about this. My dad, I have to preface with a little bit of history. My dad's North African, right? And so uh, growing up, I had different cuisine uh, from from his country. And so one of the recipes that he came home with 
uh, and was like, you got to try this, right? Is uh, he wanted us to make fish burgers. Okay. And I, I had the look that you all have right now. <laughs> when he came home excited about this, he was like, this is going to be awesome. You guys are going to love it. And I had that look Miss Carrie's giving me right now. I was like, I don't know about this, Dad. And so I was uh, growing up at the time. I was the only child. My uh, sisters were out of the house at the time. And so I'm helping my mom uh, in the kitchen. And uh, this was in the evening. We had to prep the, uh, the fish for the next day so we could make the burgers. So I'm helping my mom prep this fish, right? And uh, mind you, I had already showered. I had already gotten ready to, to go to bed. And so I figured, you know what? I'm going to help my mom out. I'm going to do what I got to do, help her out, make the, uh, get the fish off the bones so we can uh, cook it and uh, do what we got to do the next day. Well, uh, I did, and I went, washed my hands, went to bed, and the next day got up, got ready to go to school, got to school, and in about third period, I realized, oh, my God, my hands still smell like the fish we were cooking the night before. <laughs> And so I'm like nervous. I'm like, I'm sitting next to other kids because we were all in rows in, in our desks and I'm just like freaking out. I'm sweating. Kids are looking around like, <laughs> what is that? I'm thinking I, I'm making comments like it's coming from the hall, man. Like, I don't know what it is, you know. Uh, I go to the bathroom, wash my hands multiple times and like just it's now it's just covered up like it's just soapy. And so I get home, and finally I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, what do I do? And my mom, with her infinite wisdom, uh, cut up some lemon for me, or limes, and made me wash my hands with, uh, with lime, which was, I, I think, the, the trick. And to this day, I'm a big fisherman. I'm big on fishing. To this day, I use limes uh, when I'm done fishing just to have the uh, bait. It doesn't necessarily kill the, fill, the smell of the fish. It just makes it a little more palatable. Like it, you're smelling the entire dish. Line with right. fish. Exactly. Yeah. 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 exactly. So, Story single. So when's the last time you had a fish burger? Uh, high school. <laughs> so pretty much ended there. High school. That's right. I would rather, what What are the, uh, the little lobster cakes at, uh, at restaurants? Lobster cakes, yeah. crab cakes, yeah. along those lines. Good stuff. All right, Robert, how about you? Memorable or funny story from when you were in school? Well, I was a little bit mischievous in school. No. And I, nah. I typically would get other people in trouble. And uh, then I would step back and, you know, play Mr. Innocent. He still uh, does that at uh, our management meetings. Well, I do. So no, it's, it's, it's right? pretty important. It's not the straw that stirs the drink. You don't want to sit next to me in a management meeting because right. I will get you in trouble. I, I am the post, poster child for ADD. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. 15 minutes in, if there's not something enthralling, I'm, I'm, yeah, we're done. I'm doing something and, you know, that's, you know, that's just who I am. Um, one of the things I used to do, and I, I used to be, uh, believe it or not, the library aide over at uh, Hesperia Junior High, and the bathroom was right next to the library. It still is. It still is. And uh, <laughs> so I used to go in there, and again... You know, like I, I, I would put saran wrap on the toilet, you know, things of that nature. And uh, just, you know, kind of kind of pranks like that. Nothing, nothing major, but, uh, you know, just kind of running around. I mean, I, I'll, I'll share something with you, and it's kind of gross. Uh, Mr. Bell already knows this story. But uh, over the junior high, I, I was in seventh grade. I, I want to preface that. I was in seventh okay. grade because this is important. There's hallways at the junior high that have very high ceilings. And as a seventh grade boy, you took great pride in your ability to hock a loogie, okay? <laughs> and, and so there's one day 
I hocked a loogie and it hit the ceiling. It was a good loogie. Okay. It stayed there. All right. So when I came back there as a teacher, I'm sharing this story. And my teaching partner, I go, yeah, you know, we used to do, you know, come through there. And I went to, it was still there. They had painted over it. And they had painted over it for years. Is that, and that's, this is Desperia Jr.? Desperia Jr. Faisal, you need to put a little plaque yeah. on the floor under it. It's, not, it, like it's not there anymore. But I, I, it was one of those, I, it's gross, <laughs> but it's kind of prideful at the same uh -huh. time. Because I could, hey, see that right there? That was me when I was in seventh grade. So that's that's my funny story. That is, the and yeah, the, these are the folks that go on to become you know, disciplinarians <laughs> well, at the high school yeah. level. Well, be, in, in, in all honesty, that worked to my advantage because with somebody would come in that kind of was like me, I would go, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, and so it was a, a little bit easier for, for me. sure. Well, and we'd like to say that Mr. McCollum has outgrown his penchant for playing pranks, but any principal no. in the district knows that that's not if true. you're not in your office and Mr. McCollum has come by for a visit. There's a the very likely chance that your desk drawers will be filled with, oh, I don't know, packing peanuts. Uh, well, it's or, funny how much you think about how many rules there are now around the district relating to Mr. McCollum. Oh, don't sit next to him in management. Right. Never leave your office oh, unattended. No. Don't leave your cell phone sitting on the table for any length of time. I mean, no, um, you just have to, you have to always watch There's a back, code, so. right? I, it, it might sound like a criticism, but you have to understand I'm speaking from a point of admiration because I, I, nothing you like call it code, I, I call it a legacy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that brings us to our next question on the quiz, and we'll start with Faisal again. Uh, what's the best job that you've had outside of education? You kind of hinted at this earlier. Right? Yeah, uh, for sure. The the time I spent in EMS, um, instant gratification. I mean, you're helping people. I can't remember how many times we were in line and somebody would have bought had already bought his lunch. Uh, there's nothing like helping somebody and. I mean, quite literally, like that definition of like life and death is in front of you. Like I've had several experiences like that and just being that person or that instrument, I would say, um, it was fun, adrenaline rush, behind the scenes on different incidents, uh, helping and everything from that to the instant gratification, knowing that you're doing something right for society or for people was, was huge for me. Um, the gratification, I, I liken it to the gratification of being a, uh, an educator. Um, but in, in our job, I think it, it takes a lot longer to, to see it. Um, the story, and I appreciate the compliment, but the story like uh, Mr. McCollum shared and seeing other students that we've had go through our schools that have gotten to college and beyond and or are successful in other ways, whether it's a business or, you know, just in life in general, uh, you get that same gratification, but EMT was outside of education. The funnest time I had, I worked with a bunch of just, well, you got to remember, I'm 19, 20 years old doing this, 21 years old. The rest of us were the same age, and it was just, we were just, you have to go, you have to relieve the stress with humor. And the bunch of us, speaking of pranks, I remember pranking other EMTs in their ambulances. You don't leave your ambulance unattended at, at the emergency room because there will be, uh, IV fluid dripping on your head as you're driving before you know it. So it was a good time. And that seems to be a recurring theme when we talk to people about jobs they've had outside of education. It, it seems to come back to the people that you work with a lot of the time that we've had um, 
we've had other principals and administrators that have worked at you know grocery stores or restaurants Fast food, retail, yeah. yeah and and it always comes back to stories about the people that they've worked with and that's right. that's something that you know i think we all appreciate oh, what about you robert best job outside of education well believe it or not uh when i was in college i worked at a mom and pop jewelry store and i learned how to make jewelry um you know i, I can repair jewelry i can repair watches it's one of those little skills that you know you just don't talk about and and again you know going back to what you said uh, the gentleman that hired us, um, he hired my college roommate first, and then my college roommate, hey, why don't you come over here? And so by the end, we, it was, you know, I lived in a suite in college, and so there was like six of us from our suite that worked in the same store. And so it, uh, the owner would go home about 5, 5.30, and, the, you know, we worked in a, in a mall setting, and uh, I've never laughed so hard in my life. I mean, we would do things, and you know, uh, the, the best thing was, you know, when somebody had a customer, I mean, you know, and again, we're selling fine jewelry. And so there's a decorum that you would expect. And so we would try to upset that. And, uh, you know, so it, it, that, that was a lot of fun. But uh, the jewelry part, uh, yeah, it's 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 it was kind of cool. It really was. I mean, you learned a lot of different things. I, I You know, I a lot of my business sense came from that. You know, because, you know, the, with the product, the merchandise, what it costs to produce it, you know, what we're going to sell it for. I mean, you know, jewelry in itself, you know, you see all the, the big markups and thing. Well, you know, it's it's called Keystone. They they mark everything up two and a half uh, times. And so that's why they can go, we have 50 percent. But it was a it was a really cool job. I enjoyed it. I met a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, customers coming in. I mean, you have these conversations because when they're buying something that's not you know some of them would walk in and hey i want that but most of the time it's it's a subtle art of you know conversation and and convincing them and and then you know then they're sitting waiting and so you know you find out a lot of cool stuff about it. interesting wow and so you had talked about uh, learning some skills and talents in that role mm -hmm. so that leads into the next question uh, and i'll go back to you robert okay. so a skill talent or hobby that would surprise people well, I, I don't know about surprise. Other than pranking. I have an extensive baseball collection. And uh, when I it, I have a room at my house. It really, really does look like a bad gift shop. Yeah, I mean, I, I, have, uh, I, I have Hall of Fame balls. Uh, I probably have about 60 of those. Uh, I have uh, you know, a bunch of uh, Dodger baseballs that were signed. Um, I have bats, I have cards, I have helmets, I have jerseys, uh, you know, I, you know, my girls, um, are kind of interested in it, but I don't think they understand the magnitude of what I have because the collection is, it, it's pretty, you know, uh, pretty extensive. And so, uh, unfortunately during the pandemic, that's completely stopped because I would go out and get autographs from uh, different players and they would go to shows and that's all, you know, great to a halt. I hope it, you know, kind of continues. Uh, but with that being said, scarcity is good because right. the value of your your items go up quite a bit. And uh, so it, it, it's kind of fun. My, you know, my team, the Dodgers, did win over... Uh, you know, for World Series this year. World Series this year? I don't yeah. think so. I, I don't, I don't yeah. think you were, I don't think it counts. I, I'm pretty sure they went through Atlanta. I mean, Past, oh, not figurous. Not, oh, that's right. Not figuratively went through Atlanta. They went they literally, literally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, you know, baseball has always been one of those things. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was the, my connection that I had with my dad. Matter of fact, my uh, uh, dad, uh, when he passed away, 
I, I put his Dodger hat in his, in his uh, oh, cap. Perfect. Because he and I, that's just how we bonded. And he loved Tommy Lasorda. He thought Tommy Lasorda was the best, you know, ever. And so that's 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 one of the reasons I guess I've I've uh, kind of still you know participate you know and I I got a couple daughters that you know kind of like baseball and but well I was uh, thinking you know. about that now if if your daughters aren't really into the memorabilia or the sports thing mm -hmm. um, your first grandson mm -hmm. if there is one yeah is yeah, I, yeah. is is set yeah. up and well I, <laughs> and again I I do have some things that are really uh, what would you say is your favorite piece of memorabilia? Oh, well, it's that's kind of hard to say. I, I have a helmet that I have been taking around to shows for probably about 20 years. And it's got all my favorite Dodgers on it. And, I mean, it's, I probably have about 30 to 40 signatures on it. And, I, you know, I've got it displayed and everything. Uh, you know, growing up, I mean, you know, and I, and I talk about this a little bit, but, uh, you know, being up here, we're segregated from the world. And in the 70s, we had three TV stations. And so the the regiment that, you know, during baseball season is I would come home, have to get all my homework done. <clears throat> and then the Dodgers would come on at 7.30 on the radio. And so I made sure that, uh, you know, I would get in there to Vince listen to Vince Scully, yeah, Jerry Doggett, and uh, listen. And that, that was that was the evening. And so uh, that, that was pretty much, you know, everything. And then when I wasn't listening to baseball, I was outside. You know, hitting grounders and fly balls to my brother, and then you know, baseball season. So it, it kind of took uh, several different directions. Sounds like we had essentially the same childhood. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you and I talked about that too. Yeah. You know, you grown up in, you know, New York. And, yeah. So I was rooting for the team that was beating the Dodgers right. in the World Series every year. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so. As as the only um, woman in the room, I want to mention that your first granddaughter will love your memory. Yeah, I knew that was going to come back and bite me. Yeah, and yeah. I knew Lewis wasn't going to let me get away with that. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know the other. No, no, not, not at all. I, 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 I just think with you know the girls. Yes, they, my daughters. Uh, they, I think they know that I have that love of baseball, and it's not so much what I have; it's just that that complete love that I have for it. So. Well, and if you're not in into baseball collectibles, matter really, you really don't fathom the value. Um, you know, as, as somebody who has a very paltry collection by comparison, but, um, you know, when I try to talk to my wife or those around me about like, no, this is, this is an investment. Yeah. I just kind of get yeah. that look like, really? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Okay. We'll see. I get this. Well, I, I've never sold anything in my collection. I just collect. And I mean, I've traded a few things over the years and, uh, but, uh, you know, for the big, big part, it, it is just for me. Yeah. And, and so no, same with me. Yeah. yeah. I have no intention on, right. on selling any of my memorabilia. It's just some good stuff. So Mr. Bell, skill, talent, or hobby that might surprise some of your colleagues. No talent, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> um, I am an avid, uh, well, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would call myself an avid outdoorsman, but, uh, I hunt a lot and I fish. Uh, I like to hunt as much as possible. Um, I guess it's a skill. I, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I can, I think I can, uh, look at an area, know what I want to hunt, and based on just kind of background knowledge and knowledge of the species that I want to hunt, I can pretty much look at a spot and know, is it deery, is it not, is there going to be game out there, is there not? Uh, a couple times I've taken my daughters out hunting with me and or just scouting, and I can uh, out here behind where we are in, in the Apple Valley area, I can look at areas and 
get to them and find deer track you don't always find them because they're you know prey species and that's just kind of their nature but uh hunting outdoors camping um but mostly hunting and being outdoors i would say is uh, is a bit of a passion i like going out by myself uh which is a little a little different than than usual but um being out there being in in nature solitude just kind of alone with your thoughts um is refreshing you know um but i do that's something that uh, I do have two daughters, two lovely young ladies that uh, partake in the activities as well. They they hunt, but I think kind of like Robert just mentioned with regards to baseball, I don't know that they're passionate about it. My oldest, a little bit more so than my youngest, but they uh, they have a couple of stories where they have had to help me process the uh, the the hunt or the result of the hunt, right? And uh, so they can tell you stories, but they're they're out there hunting with me every once in a while. I've never hunted, but um, I recently got hooked on this Netflix. I think it's called Meat Eater. Yes. Um, and I think he also has a podcast as well. Correct. Um, I've heard him on Joe Rogan and a couple others. But um, right. listening to what you said and watching him, I, I had no idea the science and the patience and the the study that goes into right. being a hunter. So I, I have a newfound respect. And you're right. It very much is a skill and a talent that you learn with experience, right? Yeah, big time. Yeah. Boots on the ground is there's the second to none like that's the way to do it get the experience and get out there and do it we sink we swim we rise we fall we meet our fate together all right so that's going to bring us to our main topic for the day which is um in my opinion probably the most important thing that we do um the interview process and hiring the people that we bring on to our campus uh or into the school district uh i kind of liken it to uh, if you're working as a baker in a bakery, you can be the best baker in the world, but if the if the ingredients that you're getting um, aren't top quality, it doesn't matter how talented you are, your product is only going to be so good. Thanks a lot. Now I want a donut. Or... Yeah, sorry. Um, I want to bake good. Uh, you know what? I intentionally didn't use a sports analogy. Um, for well a done. For well a change. Done. And so we're going to the bakery analogy. But, yeah. you know, as a leader or a principal or site administrator, district administrator, uh, you can be the best leader in the world. You could be an expert at culture, curriculum, but if your hiring practices are poor, your school's only gonna be so effective. Um, so we wanted to get your thoughts on uh, what you're looking for during the interview process, um, the priorities that you have, and so on and so forth. And just to establish, like, I mean, maybe a level of credibility as as administrators and sisters for a certain period of time, you both have had extensive experience in interviewing, screening applications, hiring, and maybe in some cases having to let go somebody who wasn't quite a fit. So, so as, as a secondary, and that's where I've been my most of my career. I mean, I've I've hired, and I was I was trying to put a number on it. And some years, like there's one summer I hired 27 teachers, you know. Wow. And so over the years, you know, I, I've been doing this uh, since 1996 as far as an administrator. I probably have hired you know close to 300 people, uh, you know, uh, and then classified you know. Uh, a, a fair amount there as well. I got to a point because we all get regimented in how we hire people, what we look for. And it was one of those moments where it was what's really important for the employees in education. And you're going to assume because they're there, they all have the same type of teaching credential. That's, that's why they're there. Yeah. And then you look at their area of expertise, whether it's biology or English, they're going to be comparable to everybody else. And so I knew that wasn't the determinant. And, and what was the determinant for me is really, does this person, ready for this, like kids? 
And that's where I focused on. Because if they didn't have the skills, you know, certain skills, you can teach them that. But you can't teach somebody to like kids. And, and that became the, the driving force of all of my hires. Because here, here's where I'm at with this. If you don't like kids, whether you're classified or teachers, in 15 years, you're going to make everybody miserable. You're going to be miserable. You're going to make your co-teachers, your kids, the parents. It's just one of those things that you really have to focus on. And it's not easy. You're not easy. But, uh, you know, you, you ask certain type of questions. You know, how would you how would you motivate kids? And, you know, if it came down, you know, if I got answers, well, they, you know, didn't follow the rules and I would do, you know, I'm not looking at the punitive. I'm right. looking at how would you enrich what they're, what's going on here? So that's that's my number one thing that I would look at. And that was going to be my follow-up question. You kind of hinted at that, but there's a lot of nuance in interviewing. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of things I think we probably all listen for that we want to hear and things we don't want to hear. So how do you identify somebody in an interview that, quote, likes kids? Well, part, part of that, and, and again, it's, it's a team mentality. And so I, I, I very carefully listen to how many times they say, I, I did this, I did that. If they say, say things like, you know, uh, we and our team, we did this, we were working hard, we solved this, that's going to really kind of help me focus on whether or not. And, and again, I, I look at when they're talking about, you know, prior experience, you know, you know, gosh, we had a really good time. You know, we did this one project this one time. The kids really, you know, got a blast out of, you know, uh, uh, making a tribute, you know, that, that type of thing. And so, you know, you, you look at that and you, you really understand that the, the, this person's really excited about what they're doing. And that usually transferred to love of their job, which usually goes to love of kids. So yeah. it's body language and it's tone. It's and absolutely. It's enthusiasm. It's, you and know, it's all and, those. and again, all, all the things that we've been taught over the years about eye contact and, you know, looking away or, you know, just, you know, very, very short answers. You know, uh, you know, those are things that we kind of look at. But my, my, like I said, my main purpose that I'm trying to do, I'm trying to determine in my my little pea brain, does this person like kids? And, you know, we're also hiring, um, we're hiring not only an employee, a teacher for our students, we're also hiring a a coworker for everybody else on our campus. And that's why, you know, personality, enthusiasm, skill set all comes into play. Uh, It makes me think of the movie Miracle uh, from the early 2000s that was about the 1980 Olympic hockey team. Russell. Yeah. Yeah. And very early in the movie when they're doing the, uh, the tryouts to see who's going to be on the team, uh, they're supposed to do it for a week, and after the first day, um, Kurt Russell, uh, playing Herb Brooks, gives the assistant coach the list. Okay, here's the guys we're going with, and the assistant coach says, uh, "Herb, we got we got a week of this. It's this is the first day." And he looks at it, he goes, "You left off some of the best players in the country." And Herb Brooks says, "I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right players because the system he wanted to set up required." Uh, selflessness and the willingness to play within a team structure and that's the kind of thing that I think we always need to look for in interviews too is are we hiring people that are going to be a fit with the people they'll be working with every day what are your thoughts on that Faisal? I would agree you know it's the intangibles that you're looking for at least when I I don't have the the extensive hiring uh, experience that Robert does Um, but having been able to to hire everywhere from classified to teachers or being on panels um, for interviews and going through the interviews ourselves. Um, I look for the intangibles. Uh, I agree 100% with what Robert said. I, I know that if I'm hiring a teacher to teach eighth grade science that has a degree in science, I'm not really worried about their content knowledge. 
Um, I'm looking for just the, the, like you said, the fit. Um, you know, the way I'd like to think about it is I'm hiring a family member that's going to be at my school site potentially for a long time and, and interact with the other family members there. And so, you know, I'm looking for, and I get weird when in interviews, I look for details. I'm very particular about, and I know Robert's going to laugh, but I'm very particular about somebody being squared away, somebody paying attention to detail. Like if you're in a suit and I see wrinkles, I ain't having it because <laughs> if I, if you walk in in a suit, your shoes don't match your belt. I got a problem. Did you pay attention to detail? I like when people come in and talk to us about the, the work that they did with regards to, you know, the school goal. If somebody walks into an interview and they know what my school's about or what we're about at my school, right. I know they did their homework. I know they spent time polishing themselves up, both physically and mentally preparing for the interview. So I look at those kinds of things. I look at personality. Do they crack a smile? Can they loosen up in the interview? I know not everybody interviews the same. Some people get nervous, but those are some of the things that I look for because like Robert said, and again, I agree, if I, I can hire somebody that doesn't necessarily have all of the skills that we're looking for in education right now as in new teachers, but we can give them that. that there's training for that. Right. That we can teach, right? Um, and so it's the intangibles, I think, that you know, reading between the lines when people talk. You know, when people say, say things and they, the, the way they respond to what do you do if a kid doesn't want to comply with you, if the kid's not listening, if the student is being defiant, uh, how do you deal with a parent who's angry or, you know, you can, you can, you can pick up that. that and I, and I, I, I like what Robert said with regards to I and, and we, you know, and, and you hear it all the time. People like to use the word I. How much do you use I? How much do you use we? Is it a team? Is it? And, and so those, those are, and I think hiring it's probably the most important thing we do as, as administrators uh, in education because you're hiring somebody that you're about to put in front of, at the secondary level, potentially 200 and some odd kids. And you multiply that by however many years, that's thousands of lives that, that you're hiring somebody for. Yeah, and I think uh, that kind of leads into the next point that I wanted to talk about, too, uh, is that sometimes I, I know administrators, and I've, I've fallen into this trap myself uh, uh, once or twice, uh, is that you don't you don't always see every position as being equally important. Uh, I've heard phrases uh, used like, well, in, during interviews, where, oh, this is only for a such-and-such position or whatever, um, figuring that, okay, if you're hiring for, and I'm not saying that this is the right way to do it, but if you're, if you're hiring a principal, well, that's one thing, but if you're hiring, I don't even want to... I don't even want to signify anything. Another position. Another position. Uh, you might not put as much importance on that. Um, thoughts on that? I, I know that I, I've been burned on it too because you know, you know, back to the bakery analogy. It only it only takes one bad batch of blueberries, and it, you know, it, or it's you know, one negative person can have quite an impact. I you know, and I agree with you, Chris. I mean, you know, I, I over the years, I mean, I, I've really prided myself with hiring the best people. But every once in a while, I hire somebody that isn't the best person, and it takes so much work because you're, you're, the impact on their, uh, their bad behavior sometimes or, you know, it affects everybody. And, uh, you know, so you got to be really careful with that. And looking at the, you know, the bigger picture here, you know, we're all working, and it is a, uh, you know, Mr. Bell said it was, you know, it's like a family over there. And, but even with the family every once in a while, somebody, you know, somebody goes off the reservation <laughs> right. and, uh, but, uh, you know, as they do that, 
your intent is to help them more than anything else. It, it should never be punitive. You know, you're not trying to do that. You're just trying to enrich them, you know, and, and you know, sometimes, you know, you have tough conversations, you know, uh, but uh, you're looking at a, you know, you're looking at the, the group mentality, the group focus, what are we trying to do at our school? Uh, and it is important that you get that right person in there because it, it, it does just take a few people to really kind of, you know, uh, overturn the apple cart. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times we have had students open up to a custodian and an instructional assistant or a campus assistant who have then given us the information we need to provide the, those students with the support or help that they need to make their situation, whether it's at home or in a class or at school with other students or whatever, better. Uh, and so whatever position we're hiring for, um, that, that's, that's another piece to the puzzle. And, and so, um, you know, hiring the right person in any position at, at a school site is important because you don't know how they're going to impact those students. Yeah, and I think on the other end of the spectrum, our district, every year we select an employee of the year, a teacher of the year, and a classified employee of the year. And this would be too hard to fact check, and I don't know where we would even get all of that from. But I would think, um, at least to my recollection over the last 20 years, the classified employee of the year has been across the board. Uh, there have been food service workers, there have been uh, proctors, custodians, all across the board, uh, which, which demonstrates that anybody on our campus could be our superstar, the absolute best of the best. And, you know, the hiring process is where we find that. I mean, it's been said that the personnel department is the only place where every single employee enters the district and every single employee leaves that district. The personnel department is the, is the, the in and outdoor to the um, to the entire district. Robert said something that, that's absolutely true. Um, and, and a lot of people, I think, look at when you have a, a conversation with, a, with an employee or they look at personnel as being punitive. And if you look at it from, if you want to go with a sports analogy or coaching perspective, or, you know, you really are trying to make that person better, right? Like you really are trying to, to, to give that person, you know, feedback, constructive feedback. But I think, you, you know, the way we do it as administrators, I mean, as principals or, or assistant principals or vice principals, you know, uh, you have to be able to have those conversations and you have to be, I don't want to say brave enough to have those conversations because it's rough. They're tough conversations to have. You have to be able to do it. And you also have to be able to do it with finesse, right? Like you can't just go in like a hammer. Um, sometimes I guess the hammer is necessary, but you have to be able to, to have some finesse and decorum about how you have those conversations with the employee because you are trying to make them better. And it all boils down, I mean, we're a people business, right? Like education is a people business. No matter how many numbers or how many figures get thrown at us in terms of data and testing and blah, 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 it's a people business and people have emotions and that's where it all begins. And if you start with the wrong emotion or you set somebody into the wrong emotion, it's all going to be closed-minded and nobody's going to make any progress and that can hinder the big picture. All right. All right. So to kind of wrap up this topic, uh, we asked everybody to think of a memorable interview experience oh, that you've had. Yep. Um, I know we've seen a lot of great candidates come through. We've seen a lot of not as great candidates uh, come through. Um, so uh, would somebody like to start off with a memorable I, story? I wish Mrs. Moyer was here. Uh, Paige <laughs> Moyer and I were in an interview. And uh, I don't know if Robert was in the interview at the time. I think he was he was the principal um, at Hesperia Junior still. But we had to hire for a campus assistant position. And so we're in the interviews. 
And I kid you not, Mr. Noodle walks through the door. Mr. Noodle, do you guys remember the Sesame Street Mr. Noodle? From Elmo. Yeah. From Elmo? Oh, yeah. So Mr. Noodle walks in, and I immediately just, the suit, it wasn't a suit. It looked like it was a borrowed, like a kid in their parents' suit, first of all. I give 100% uh, credit to the, to the gentleman that interviewed but he looked like Mr. Noodle. I He told us his name, and he looked like Mr. Noodle. And all I could think about was Mr. Noodle on Elmo. <laughs> Guys, we run a middle school. Seventh and eighth graders, uh, and this is a campus assistant who has to be able to either stop uh, a situation or intervene in a situation. I mean, everything from the size of the, of the person to the mustache, to the glasses he was wearing. Have we established that it wasn't Mr. Noodle? I asked Moyer that, Mrs. Moyer. <laughs> I asked Mrs. Moyer at the end of the interview, like, I'm looking around waiting for Ashton Kutcher to pop out. <laughs> punked was a thing at the time. I'm, I'm like, are we getting punked? Was that Mr. Noodle? And she absolutely just lost it in laughter because she was thinking, we both have kids that are around the same age. And it was far enough back in, in our, our kids' uh, lives that they were probably still, that was something we watched with them. And so mm -hmm. she agreed. And we both, again, giving credit to the young man for, for the interview and, and doing what he had to do to, to try to at least get that job. But like you said earlier, the fit. And, and I, I, you know, it was kind of in, in humor, but the fit at a, at a seventh grade and an eighth grade campus would not have been right right for him it would not have been the right fit if he was interviewing maybe for it uh instructional assistant for sure kindergarten teacher perhaps <laughs> kindergarten teacher maybe no and i didn't mean it in that sense but you know uh, in what sense, what what sense? Go ahead. <laughs> let's keep taking i'll explain in the sense that he's not going to have to you know take uh, make command decisions with a bunch of eighth graders that are you know running towards a fight um and, and yeah, maybe he was good with computers. If you remember Elmo, you know Mr. Noodle had a brother also that would make I, an appearance every so often. I didn't know he you had know what a they brother. called him? Mr. Pasta? No. Mr. Noodle. Oh, well there you go. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but all three of my kids loved Elmo and I can still hear in my voice. Look, boys and girls, it's Mr. Noodle's brother, Mr. Noodle. Well, he would cameo. He's yeah. not wrong. He's not wrong. wrong. My brother's yeah. name is Mr. Mogger. That's good. <laughs> Both go. of my brothers' names. So, yeah. so um mine is uh it was an IT person that I was interviewing. Uh, not that's any different. Was it Mr. Noodle? I was not Mr. Noodle. But uh, this young man, he came in, and, and going a little bit back to what uh, Mr. Bell was talking about, present, I mean, this guy rolled out of bed. I mean, his hair was a mess. Uh, you know, he came in and, uh, you know, uh, wrinkled. Uh, it's like, you know, you were playing video games all night, and you just woke up, huh? So that type of thing. But he was chewing gum. And... I, and, and one of the things that, you know, I think is the, the rule that you don't chew gum during an interview, but he didn't close his mouth. And so all I saw was this white piece of gum going around like a white shirt in a dryer. And that's all I could focus on. <laughs> that's a great analogy. <laughs> and, and, that is and, beautiful. And it came around, it kept on going around and going around. And this guy, he, he had, you know, he had some qualifications, but it's just, that's all I could see. It's like, choo, choo. <laughs> And so, you know, I, I didn't hire him, but it's just like one of those things was, you know, didn't, didn't, 
anybody ever tell you not to chew gum in an interview? So, Eric, uh, you know, I'm gonna let you go first because I think the mind is gonna segue nicely. Okay, uh, All right. if you're gonna tell the story, I think yeah, no, you know, you know the one that I'm gonna tell yeah. because this directly relates to the Eric being hired into our district. Um, so this this would have been way back. We were hiring for a fourth grade position. The the teacher in that position had just been promoted to assistant principal, uh, so we were filling that position mid year. Uh, so. We're in the interview panel, there's three of us. It's me, uh, Jovi Yankaskis, and Alan Giles. Um, three people that really shouldn't be sitting within proximity of each other uh, in any kind of decorum, uh, just because for reasons we talked about earlier, um, ADD and humor being the two of them. So we had interviewed several candidates and then this gentleman walked in. Um, he was wearing a three-piece suit, which is a plus, except they were three pieces from three different suits, which is a minus. <laughs> He was also wearing a pair of uh, Converse Chuck Taylor high tops in a bright green color. And I, I will never forget this. His face was somewhat triangular and he had a shock of curly hair. Um, he was a character. And then he spoke. His voice, if you've ever watched one of those old black and white Frankenstein movies, it was the voice of the Igor, the assistant. So, well, when I want to teach in a classroom, it's, and, and no matter what question we asked, he tied it into his mother, who was also a teacher. So we said, what are some of your reading strategies? He's like, well, my mother was a teacher, and in her classroom, she'd have posters of Old Yeller, and it was so inviting. And, you know, every question uh, just related to mom, and it was like either Norman Bates or Sigmund Freud uh, in the interview with us. Um, so at some point in, in the interview, um, Jovi just uh, quietly slid a note over in front of me, and all it said on the note card was, oh, my God. And nowadays, we don't, we just text each other. Those right, things, now right? we would just be texting back and forth. But now he, he was just such a character, and I, we didn't take him for the position, uh, so we thanked him and said, all right, don't call us, we'll call you, basically. And then the next candidate coming in was Eric Land. Um, so Eric comes in and sits down, and the first question Alan asks him was, so was your mother a teacher? Which Eric didn't get, but bro broke us into tears at that point. So um, basically, Eric had an easy act to follow, and here he is, principal in the district. And So I feel like I owe history. my career in history unified to um, Norman Bates. Yeah, he was and, and I don't too. remember his name. I mean, it's not that I'm, I mean, I wouldn't say it anyway. Anyway, he was so incredibly bad that I looked like a star. Oh, like, yeah. I couldn't go wrong. Yeah. As long as I didn't refer to my mom, I was in. He was, he was sad. Um, and so, you know, the story I did want to tell was, was very recent. So to avoid the risk of um, insulting a listener, I think I'll just, I was going to piggyback off of that because that probably for me was my most memorable experience being on the other side of the table. Because the first question was um, something about my mother and, you know, those of you yeah. that know Mr. Giles and Miss, Miss Yankaskis and Mr. Mogger, it was quite a quite a trio to be interviewing with at the time. And so they're giggling and laughing. And um, then the second question, my email address, uh, which it still is, by the way, my personal email address, um, referred to baseball. And so the second question by Mr. Margo was, what's your favorite team? And, of course, I said, you know, the Atlanta Braves. He, he got stands, that one wrong. He stands up and holds out his hand and says, we want to thank you for coming today. How a nice day. So in one sense, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm already off the rails. But in another sense, it also kind of put me at ease because it was a very fun, yeah. relaxing environment. And I, I, something I noticed that that's a consistent thing in this district is the way you know, we hear that all the time from candidates. Like they interview with us and they love it. 
because of, there's just an atmosphere, there's a tone, there's a culture to our process. So um, that still was my most interesting. And then getting hired on the spot, like I didn't yeah. leave the building, with, no. I left the building with a job that day. Um, but because, uh, you know, I don't know if it was because I was just so good or, or Norman was just so bad that uh, they thought, oh my gosh, this may be as good as it gets. <laughs> and, 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 and to be fair, I hope Norman is doing very well. I hope he got you know got a job and is living a fruitful life. It was just sure. one of the most bizarre experiences. I mean, yeah, it's, it's almost like an Ashton Kutcher thing. It's like between the suit and the tennis shoes and the voice, it's like, this has to be by design. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very unique experience. Maybe they sure. lost a bet. I'm the principal, man. All right, so that brings us to our last segment of the day, and this is what we like to call our extra credit questions. This is kind of a fun, lighthearted way to think of things in a creative way. And I, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due. You know, Chris is our creative mind behind the majority of these, and I, I think he's got a good one for us today. Yeah. So, um, you know, everybody's seen Wizard of Oz, right? No. You know. <laughs> When you think you've got something that's totally relatable, yeah. everybody can, you know, can identify with something in this question, and then you invite Mr. Bell in. Right. Writing um, the question, you know, I was thinking, all right, we want to do a high, we're talking about interviewing and hiring, so let's set up a scenario where we're in a certain fictional context, who would we hire? So I'm going through a whole list. I'm thinking friends might be interesting, but not everybody's Something universal. Friends. Have yeah. you seen Friends, Mr. Bell? No. Okay, this was good. Yeah, see, uh, you were going to win. I was out of luck either way. Is this a part where you stand up and shake his hand? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you so much so, for coming today. So, we're, so I was thinking friends, thinking Big Bang Theory, thinking Happy Days, all these things that are, are kind of well-known but a little bit niche, let's say. So I thought, all right, what's one scenario that nobody has possibly ever not seen? And it's like, The Wizard of Oz. Absolutely. So we sent this out uh, to Robert and Faisal just to kind of let them know what's going on. Within minutes, I got an email back saying, dude, I never saw The Wizard of Oz from Faisal. I'm there. <laughs> You're joking, right? And then Eric, I texted that Eric, could you believe Faisal's never seen The Wizard of Oz? His response was, is he serious? I'm there. I think he is. So anyway. It's really like thinking, well, he's got time, right? Yeah. Well, okay, but going with that, by that time, I was like, no, I'm not going to watch it. Like in my mind, I thought maybe I should watch it. And then I decided, no, I'm going to hold out. Like I'm not going to watch The Wizard of Oz. Just going to fake my way through a podcast episode. No, no. So I was resourceful, <laughs> sir. I went online and I found I found the Wizard of Oz for Dummies <laughs> website. And so I read what the different characters were and did and, and whatnot. And so I'm ready to go. So, so we're going to see how this goes. Let me set this up. So uh, being that this is a, a podcast about interviewing and hiring all those things. So for this question, each of us is the principal of Emerald Silly Emerald Silly. Emerald, Silly. <laughs> Emerald, edit. Emerald City Elementary School. <laughs> Hashtag Go Wizards. And we are going to be hiring four employees today. So you're going to be hiring an assistant principal, an admin secretary, a teacher, any grade level you choose, and one classified employee of your choosing. All of the characters in The Wizard of Oz are fair game. They're all they're all applicants for all of your positions. Uh, so the question is going to be, um, based on the pool of applicants, um, <clears throat> who would you hire and for which job? So, would anybody like to go first? I will go first. All right. Since Robert, I actually watched the movie, you know, it's, <laughs> I worry about people that don't watch movies. I yeah. really do. Uh, so, um, let, I don't know. Let's start off with the AP. Sure. So, I'm going to hire the wizard. And, and when I say the wizard, I'm not talking about the glitzy. I'm talking about the man behind the curtain. Okay. Because the man behind the curtain, as we know, is your AP. Because they're out there making you look good. That's perfect. <laughs> and so they're pulling all the strings. They're doing all the other stuff. And the principal goes, look, I'm the mighty 
you know, absolutely. So, it's so true. Yeah. It's funny. So I'm reading off my notes here. I'm going to jump in because for my AP, I chose the wizard. And this is what I wrote down because I, I can't remember this stuff. So I have to write it down. Um, there's a scene in the movie, and I'm not sure if it's in the book. But it's in the movie after he gets discovered. It's it's really Captain Marvel who you know shows at the beginning of the mm -hmm. movie. Um, and there's a line in there when um, he was telling his story, and Dorothy asks him, "Were you scared?" And the response from the wizard was, "You're talking to a man who laughed at death, sneered at danger, and chuckled at catastrophe." I was terrified. That's right. right. And so I thought about you know in the role of, of an administrator, an AP, having to put on a brave face and having to deal with some of the most difficult, challenging situations. And, you know, courage is not the absence of fear, but it's being afraid and doing it anyway. So I thought of it that way, that, yeah, being the person behind the curtain, but also being able to laugh in the face of fear, even though you're terrified, um, and represent your school in that way. I thought that made the wizard a good quick, quick fact check correction. It's Professor Marvel. Captain Marvel is somebody completely yeah. different. Yeah, I wrote Professor Marvel. Professor Marvel. Yeah, Professor Marvel. All right, so well, well, let's do it this way, since you both talked about your principal. Um, Faisal, who's your or assistant principal? Who's your assistant principal? All right, so I went with... Uh... I went with a VP or an AP, but I put the Tin Man. Okay. Because I looked at it from the perspective of if I'm going to hire a person that's going to have to deal with students in negative situations, I want somebody who's sensitive. I want somebody who's kind. And so I went with Tin Man. Mind you, I haven't watched the movie, so I thought maybe Captain Marvel made an appearance in the movie. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I went with, for my AP, I went with the Scarecrow. Okay. Um, because, first of all, as, as we've established at the end, he does have his actual degree. Uh, they give him a diploma at the end. Um, he, he's intelligent, but he's loyal. I mean, he's the first one that Dorothy um, meets uh, in, in Oz, and you know he supports her 100%. Uh, he's got her back on everything. Um, just very friendly. I think he'd relate well with the kids, and he's got a brain. He's smart. So. Yeah, for sure. I'm thinking, uh, you know, so admin secretary, right? I actually went with Antium. Uh, I did my research because I don't, you know, I, I didn't know this until I researched, but in the book, you know, um, Dorothy's mom dies. Uh, dad marries a woman who wants nothing to do with Dorothy. So she ends up being raised by her aunt and uncle. And uh, so that alone, the fact that she takes in Dorothy and raises her. And I love the line from the movie when she's confronting Miss Gulch about taking Toto away, right? And uh, she says, you know, um, you know, just because you own half the county doesn't mean you have the power to ruin, ruin it for the rest of us. And uh, after 23 years, I've been dying to tell you what I thought of you. And now, being a Christian woman, I just can't say it. I love that. Yeah, so that she has a sense of poise, uh, keeping it together and, and knowing what she can and can't say. Um, right. You know, uh, in that way, an admin secretary is kind of the heartbeat of a school site. So uh, I think that the way that Antium is portrayed, okay. dignified character, uh, poise, and a servant's heart in raising her niece. Good. Dorothy. Gosh, darn it. <laughs> Do you want me to somebody else for you? No. Since you did your No, homework? go with Dorothy because maybe our... our okay, Dorothy... Might as see the movie so he can come up with something. In yeah, Dorothy's right. character <laughs> is designed to hold everything together. I mean, and she doesn't, you know, look over them, but she makes sure, you know, the Tin Man, and, you know, the Scarecrow, and everything's just all together. I mean, even with the trip down there, you know, she collects a group of people. And that's kind of what the administrative secretary does. I mean, yeah. you know, kind of the mom figure sometimes, you know, hey, did you take care of this? Did you do this? Hey, don't forget you need to turn this in. Hey, did you sign, you know. Don't get to the, oil your elbows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that would oil be my can. choice. <laughs> oil yeah. can. Since Captain America made an appearance earlier in uh, Wizard of Oz, I was thinking maybe Professor X. I'm never going to live that day. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to mention that Captain America and Captain Marvel have both made an appearance. Yeah. Is it Iron Man? Well, I thought Iron Man. That's the Tin Man. That's the Tin Man. All right, okay. so back to the I... Wizard of Oz. That's, that's the homework required, Mr. Bell. <laughs> 
I too chose Dorothy for a lot of the same reasons, unfortunately, that Robert did. Um, absolutely true. You have different personalities. You have the cowardly lion, the tin man, monkeys, whatever. And then they have to go do a particular task, right? Like in order to gain the wizard's uh, rewards at the end, they had to go kill the Wicked Witch of the West. And so getting all those people together... Technically, they just had to bring back the broomstick, but... Never mind. Hey, for some of you didn't see, see there's more to this story than you think. But go ahead. I would like to remind everybody that he got this information from the Wizard of Oz for Dummies. Correct. <laughs> oh. the Correct. We went to fact check Ouch. that one. Ouch. <laughs> I thought you said you didn't laugh or like make jokes. Oh, yeah. she, I don't yeah. think anybody said that. <laughs> I don't think anyone said that. All right, so they have to kill the Wicked Witch. Well, no, she gets everybody's different. I mean, she's dealing with all these different personalities. And get some makes sense. So my admin secretary, I went with Glinda, um, the good witch, because outwardly she's very polite, very kind of laid back, very welcoming and very positive, which you definitely need at the front desk. Um, but she was totally willing to stand up to the Wicked Witch of the West when the Wicked Witch of the West was demanding the ruby slippers. Um, Glinda politely pointed out that, sorry, they're on Dorothy's feet. Deal with it. I don't think that's a direct quote from the movie, but that was the gist. But when you really look at it, Glinda's pretty sneaky. I mean, I would think that Dorothy has no right to those ruby slippers. Glinda just kind of makes that call. And now, while you wouldn't want that to be the public face in the office, sometimes as principals, I think we all know that creativity with budgets and management and things like that are pretty important skills. And I think Glinda would just be able to find those above board loopholes that might benefit us. So the combination... So Glinda could write UCJS. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, 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 You get her on the screen. Just sign here. All of that. So yeah, sign here. I can totally see Glinda in that role. So, all right. Awesome. I love it. So teacher, um, I'll go first, and I am actually chose Glinda as a teacher. Okay. Uh, because one thing, so I did a lot of research on, on lines from the story and from the book. It just helped me make sense of all of it. And, uh, you know, at the very end of the movie, when uh, Dorothy comes to realization that she had the power all along to go home whenever she wanted because of the flippers. And uh, Glinda says to her, you've always had the power. You just had to learn it for yourself. And I immediately thought of, you know, I'm going to get really deep here for a second. John Hattie, right? Okay, so uh, self-reported grades, which is also, you know, another way to put that is student confidence, student ability, right? And so Glinda, in that one line, captures that idea of, um, what is the teacher's role is to help students realize their own potential and not just meet it, but pass it. And so by, you know, that idea of you had to learn for yourself, you had to figure it out for yourself. And sometimes you got to go the hard way to get there. But Glenda really showed that that ability to build efficacy and, and build student confidence in the way that she led Dorothy. John Hattie and Glenda. You never know Wait, what you're going to find. John Hattie or is it Captain Hattie? I, Captain Hattie. <laughs> the Mad Hatter? <laughs> the Mad Hattie. You never know what you're going to get here on Alone with Our That's Principles. Right. So, chocolates. All right, Robert, oh, teacher. You know what? I, I spent way too much time thinking about this. The Tin Man. Okay. okay. Hear me out. <laughs> tin Man, before he became the Tin Man, he was a woodsman. I'm a he secondary was. administrator. He's got two credentials, metal shop <laughs> and wood shop. Okay? <laughs> and I would choose him because in this evaluation, I can see myself writing things. Yeah, you're a little bit stiff up there today. No. Or, uh, oh, you know, you got you got to have heart. <laughs> you know, uh, you're sounding so, a little hollow. <laughs> yeah, and so you know that, that that would be the the fun part of doing that. But I I think you know, but also you know the tin uh, the, the tin man had some really uh, nice 
pieces of ice for Dorothy. And, you know, if you go through the movie and listen to it, and I can totally see, you know, like, you know, in a, him and, you know, Woodshop going, measure twice, go once, you know, those, those types of things. <laughs> and so, you know, I think it would be just a great, a great uh, person to have on your staff. Yeah, I, I agree. I did not choose him though. I used the cliff notes. So, <laughs> fact checking the fact checker here. Uh, I went with the scarecrow because apparently the Cliff's Notes website that I was reading said that he's intelligent and resourceful. <laughs> and I think you need to be both to be a teacher. Yes, yes. You're very well read. If we're going to be quoting books, and uh, one of the trainings that we're just going to be going through to get deep as well, sir, is ditch the textbook. You need to be resourceful if right. we're going to be looking at things like ditching the textbook and or asking teachers to think outside the box. I'm actually impressed that, that Faisal didn't take the, um, the corner cutting one step further and listen to the cliff notes on tape. Ooh. <laughs> For those that won't even take the time to read the actual cliff notes. There you that's go. a great idea. All right, I'm going with a team teaching approach here. Um, for kindergarten, I'm hiring the three munchkins from the Lullaby League uh, to be kindergarten teachers. First of all, they're the same size as the kindergartners, so that'll help them relate eye to eye. Um, so to speak, um, I, I mean, how engaging, I mean, the kindergartners with, with the, we represent the lullaby league. I mean, they can teach. You guys can't see Chris right now, uh, modeling I, the dance of the lullaby league. I think that was the best part. Pretty this spot was the on. episode to videotape and we did Exactly. Videotape. But here's the thing though, if you watch the movie, Chris kind of resembles one of them. Oh, great. <laughs> I, mean, okay. he's, I mean, obviously he's tall, but if you go down, because he has a little goatee. If you remember the movie. Wait, the lullaby Lally. league are the girls. Oh, I thought you were talking about the... the... No, the lollipop guild oh, the guys, the lullaby. So you don't get this in the Cliff Notes, Bell. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> he watched the movie and didn't yeah. know, so... It, it's, it's an easy mistake to make, all the L's, the alliteration. So yeah. anyway, so I've got the, the three Lullaby League munchkins as my team teacher. So is there a reason why you went to Lullaby League instead of the lollipop guild? Uh, they were better singers. Okay. And and the one and okay, we're going to be completely transparent here. I thought about both, but when you look at it, one of the three lollipop guild guys with the, the one holding the big giant sucker always creeped me out from the time I was a little kid. Um, yeah, uh, so the, that kind of yeah, it was very personal for if, you. Well, yeah. if he scared me, he's going to scare kindergartners. But sure. there was nothing threatening yeah. about the lullaby league. That's Fair basically enough. it. So, all right. So uh, what does that leave us with? We were, we were asked to choose a classified employee and who we would choose. I think I've gotten first last couple of times. Who wants to jump in here for classified? I'll start this one. For my proctor, hiring the Wicked Witch of the West. Stay with me. So you just said a, a, a munchkin with a lollipop would scare kids, but you're going to hire a Wicked Witch to proctor. Hear me out. Okay. Um, I'm still going to have five or six of my regular proctors, right? I'm not hiring all Wicked Witches. God, they're showing me a picture of the, of the We got to do a side by side. Not wrong. Uh, no, okay. So when we release this episode, we'll do a side by side. For those of you that have not been motivated to check out our uh, Alone with Our Principals Facebook page, I think you might want to follow us at this point. Oh, yeah. You're going to see some follow up. Anyway. Um, so Proctor, Wicked Witch. Yes, ahead. the Wicked Witch is going to be my Proctor for a couple of reasons. Um, yes, I wouldn't want her necessarily intervening, but one of her classic lines from the movie is, hey, Scarecrow, you want to play ball? Now, sure, she was talking about a giant ball of fire to, 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 to burn him with, but I can see her saying, hey, fifth graders, want to play ball? And then just bouncing a kickball back and forth with them. But a couple of key skills... ball of fire. No, 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 no. We're going we're gonna to use the regular red playground ball. Okay. Now, 
surveillance. She's got her broom. She could be circling the playground the entire time. Kids aren't going to get away with anything. And had she found the need to send a kid to the office, she doesn't zoom down to talk to him. She writes it in the sky. So instead of surrender Dorothy, it might say, Jeremy, go to the office. Or... Um, that couldn't create any problems. No, I mean, no. Send wheelchair. Blasting a kid's name across the sky. Right. You send send wheelchair to blacktop. You know, yeah. if you're the principal and you look out your window and you see send wheelchair to blacktop, you'll know that a kid got hurt playing basketball. There would be an upside to the Wicked Witch being a problem. That would be way better than using a two-way radio. Absolutely. You got a one-way broom thing. <laughs> one-way broom thing. Write that down. One-way broom thing. Which is also a great name for a rock band, but that's a different... You know, I struggled with this intensely, and, and it's probably for good reason, because you just punched a massive hole in my theory. So I'm going to share it with you. Um, I actually chose the Scarecrow, and I didn't even identify which classified. Uh, I'm just speaking of classified in general. You know, we could use Proctor, we could use Secretary, Instructional Assistant, but... Um, you know, the the Scarecrow was incredibly resilient. He was the only one of the characters that was not affected by the poppies. He's the only one that didn't fall asleep. The Tin Man froze. Everybody else fell asleep. He was the one that was able to wake everybody up. Um, when the Flying Monkeys attack, he got picked apart, but he was able to be put back together in moments. Um, but when I say he punched a hole in it, because I did forget about the fact that he was set on fire. Oh, yes. Which is, you know... You, you can't have a flammable classified. <laughs> I've always said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you know, we were talking earlier about deal but you're flammable, you're out. I just thank you for coming. Um, but I saw the, the Scarecrow as, as a positive influence and very resilient. So I chose the Scarecrow. I went with the witch too, but I went with the, the nice one, the North Witch. The one Linda? The, Linda. Is that Linda? Yeah, she. I figured, I figured if you're going to have somebody, either a campus assistant or a custodian, like the first person that sees kids in the morning and greets them and. As you're coming on campus, you want to have somebody that's nice and not somebody that's scary or you know, or flying in a, on a broom, right? Or Captain America or Wolverine <laughs> or whatever. All right, mine is uh, again going back to secondary, uh, the flying monkeys as uh, <laughs> as campus aides, uh, because you know uh, typically we send the campus aides to go out to the classroom. I think it would be much easier if they could fly. Sure. I mean, that would be kind of cool. And then, you know, I would just love, you know, as they're going out, I would love to hear the, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> just be great. <laughs> you know, I, I think it sets a tone. <laughs> so, literally. So that, that would be my choice for, you know, a, a campus aid. He gets out of line, pick him up, and just be yeah. him right back. Well, be quick. I mean, it's efficient. It is you know, efficient. it's like, I need that. Just a second, I'll fly over there. Yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> so I can see myself writing a memo to Miss Moyer requesting more flying monkeys. More flying monkeys. Because <laughs> I don't have enough to effectively manage my school site. Right. Well, if you te technically, if you want to hear them singing that melody while they're flying, you're going to need to get them some kind of like, I don't know, uh, something to project their voice. Uh, you're going to have to retrofit the witch's room with some kind of smoking device so that you can actually write up in the sky. Uh, I don't know how she did it, but she, she that's part of, part of the, the process. I mean, see, I think it's just inherent in the broom that she has. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that was uh, fun as always. Um, uh, trip down memory lane or... Um, the Elbert yeah. Road, uh, as, it, as it may be. Nice. Uh, so I uh, want to thank you both for being with us today. Uh, this was this was a lot of fun and, uh, you know, a great conversation about uh, the interviewing and the hiring process. My takeaway learning was I had no idea how far the four dummies, uh, uh, you know, how far that stretches. I mean, they actually have yeah. Wizard of the I mean, they have a four dummies for anything, apparently. If you're a ventriloquist, they have one called Dummies for Dummies. <laughs>
That was three. I thought they were called mannequins. What's that? I thought they were called mannequins. Dummies kind of derogatory term. That's a different thing. Marionettes. Marionettes. Gotcha. But that's those are the ones with strings. Gotcha, gotcha. Can't be funny and be the principal of a prep school. All right, and that brings us to our fact check uh, for this episode. So we will turn it over to the wonderful and talented Carrie Lewis. Talented even, I like it. Okay, so I have, since it keeps coming up um, at different um, different podcasts with different guests, I have from WikiHow, how to get fish smell off your hands. And so also to help Faisal, just in case he needs another method. Does it, um, step one, don't touch fish? That's probably the best (laughs) way to do that. (laughs) Okay, so according to WikiHow, there are many home remedies for removing fishy odors from your hands. You can mix up homemade cleaners using vinegar and lemon juice or baking soda and water. You can also scrub your hands with toothpaste. Finally, you can rub your hands on stainless steel appliances to absorb the smell from your skin. I need to see myself sitting there rubbing the stove. What are you doing? I'm trying to get the fish smell up. I'm just doing it for the halibut. That's right. Nice. I like that. And then we also talked about... Mr. Faisal Bell's knowledge of the Wizard of Oz or lack lack of. of. And so he was talking about how he had done the Wizard of Oz for dummies and then he changed, I believe, to Cliff Notes on the Wizard of Oz. But we actually did find a Wizard of Oz for dummies um, Freudian Wizard of Oz blog. So if you want to get that information, so um, you can be on the same page with Mr. Faisal Bell and maybe understand some of the things he commented about during our episode, you can go that direction. And then the last one requires a little bit of support from the singers in the, of this podcast. Um, I have the song that Mr. Robert McCollum talked about where he said the Flying Monkeys was singing this song. Please sing it. Oh, we, oh, Thank you so much for that. It's actually the soldiers that were singing it. And also that's makes it. an appearance on a Metallica song. I want to say Harvester of Sorrow. From what? The day. Do we it's always fact check our... I know. I always put us in a, in a place to like fact check the fact check, right? But Correct. The we can leave that one hanging. Maybe somebody on Facebook can fact check for us. Harvester of Sorrow, Metallica, uh, the Wizard of Oz soldiers. And it starts the song. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, As always, uh, we encourage you to take a minute to rate, review, or subscribe to Alone With Our Principles on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Amazon Music, or basically wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Thank you, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Don't forget to check out our Facebook. still here? It's over. Go home.